0: Welcome to the podcast, Lifting the Veil. I'm your host, Noelle Cellini. This is a follow-up episode with my naturopath, Dr. Jen Stanley. She was also a guest on the previous episode where we talked about all the health benefits of colon hydrotherapy. In that episode, we discussed all the benefits of increased immunity, better sleep, and even Dr. Jen her eyesight improving and her eyes healing themselves after an intense colon hydrotherapy session. In today's episode, we're talking about what exactly goes on in a colon hydrotherapy session, as well as some other helpful tips along the way. Welcome back.
1: Thank you. Glad to be here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, So in our last um, podcast episode, we talked so much about colon hydrotherapy and colonics. I'm so excited that you're back because now I think we need to give a better idea of what exactly happens in a colon hydrotherapy and, and also talk a little bit more about the colon because I think it helps to know we know from you sharing with us that it is five feet long and that it can accommodate mm-hmm. something as big as a fit uh, football through it yes mm-hmm. especially when we're constipated or under stress but what exactly happens in a colon hydrotherapy session what is the first
1: thing when you walk when somebody walks into the room so first of all there's two types of colon hydrotherapy there's the open and the closed system so Um, that that's going to be different off the bat. The closed system is what I offer in my offices. And all that it means is a closed system means that the water and waste is always contained in tubing or the machine itself. So for the closed system, we use a one-time. So when, when the client comes in, there's an intake form they'll fill out. And then we walk them through the whole process. So we actually open up the one-time use disposable tubing kit and attach it to the machine We talk them through how there's a a three-phase water filtration system that the water goes through before it enters the body, and it's an FDA-certified colonic machine that we're using. But because it's a closed system, all of the water and waste is contained in tubing, so there's never any smell or odor or exposure to the waste. Um, they're laying on a massage table that's covered in a disposable drape sheet. Um, the pillowcase is disposable. There's absorbent pads that they're laying on that are absorbable just in case there is any leaking. That would be, um, the only thing based on anatomy. If, if somebody has, is elderly, Mm -hmm. um, they tend to have looser sphincter control or if they've had a spinal injury, um, or if they just uh, had a baby within a couple months. Um, so, uh, and then they're under a, we do a warm castor oil pack on their abdomen once they're on the table. Um, and they're under a blanket and a, and a warm heating pad. So it's very, it's very comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but then there's the open system and the open system is more of a, like a harder, um, plastic, almost like a Chase lounge that has a basin built into it. So Mm -hmm. it's the open system is you're filling, but you're releasing around um, the water line into this basin. So it's really like being in a, in a bathroom. Um, Some people prefer the open system. If they are a little shy about someone being in the room with them during a colonic Um, or for a child, the, the, the water line that's inserted is, probably only about a, like a quarter of an inch in diameter. So it's much, it's much less invasive than the speculum for the closed system, which is roughly about an inch in diameter. Mm -hmm. So, um, so, and, and for elderly that don't have good sphincter control or for people that have a spinal injury where it's actually impacted their ability to have bowel movements, the open system is better because they, they don't have the, uh, they don't have the, the nerve, control for the sphincters to hold the speculum in with a with a closed system
0: right right so and just to clarify i've only done the closed system i've never done the open um Uh and like i said it's not it's not awkward you do when i walk in to see dr jen um she has a gown for me there is that disposable sheet on the massage table and there is like I would call it almost like a wee wee pad, <laughs> you know, from mm-hmm. from dogs. It's taped onto like towards the center, the bottom of that sheet, in case there is any leakage. Leakage, and I know that that's a great fear or a big question. I've never had it, but I'm also mm-hmm. right now I'm what I'm 38. So, and I did it, started doing it when I was 35 or 34. So I have not had any spinal injuries or surgeries. So there has never been any leakage, but again, if there mm-hmm. is, there's that little
1: like wee-wee pad. <laughs> to, yeah, to And it. and we change that out if there. you know, if, if the leaking is pretty, um, you know, if it's, if, if it's enough, we, we change out the pad as we go during the session, if necessary. So, so everything's right. contained and, and it's, Yeah.
0: And it's, yeah. So Jen will hand me, Dr. Jen will hand me a gown and it's just like a hospital gown where it has no back. I usually leave like a sports bra on and that's totally fine. And so then the speculum that it goes into your anus, it goes into your, your butthole basically.
1: Right. Uh Yeah. It's, we use a um, surgical sterile lubricant on the speculum to just ease the insertion and then the client can do the insertion or the therapist can assist them if there's any shoulder limitation or um, or if they're uncomfortable doing it themselves so it's 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 as painless as possible and the insertion isn't painful we're we're asking you to take a deep breath um, and then on the exhale we we just work with you know relaxing the sphincters and and getting the body to to accept the the speculum and then um, it's very, it's done very quickly and it's, it's as an invasive as, as possible. Right.
0: Right. So again, it's not, it's not painful. It's not, it's not really even awkward. It's just kind of what it takes to get a colonic. So, so now, um, so now that the sphincter is in which the hose is attached to that, the hose is where the waste is going to come out. And again, the old bacteria and, and parasites, and i am going to share my story of what happened in one of my colonics. It comes out the tube and then you get to see it through the observation window. And then there's the small tube of the water that comes in. Now, somebody was asking me, is the water a saline solution? What is the water
1: the water is just a three. It's a it's filtered water that goes through a, um, a carbon filter, a sediment filter, and an ultraviolet purifier. So it's just warm filtered water. There is no saline. There's no sea salt or any any solution in the water.
0: Okay, and then and then too. So what happens then is that then. You will do what is called, I assume the correct term is called a fill, and then you'll do a a release. And so the fill is, and I, I don't, you can speak about your experiences, but I don't really feel the water when it's filling. You feel it a little bit right at the opening of the anus a little bit but that's Mm -hmm. really it i don't feel the water it's not like this rushing (laughs) water coming through and when you look at it on the side machine when she turns off the water flow or turns it back on after you've done a release the water flow is very it's slow it's not again this rushing water that comes Mm -hmm. in and i i don't feel it filling up the only thing that i do feel is that When you get this full feeling, I would almost call it like a bloated feeling. When you get a bloated feeling, that's when I will say to Jen, okay, release. And, but Dr. Jen, because I've been going to her for a while and because she's a trained certified colon hydrotherapist, she will know, she knows that my pressure, there's a little pressure gauge on the machine, on the machine, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. She knows that my pressure is not, I don't, I don't go for a lot of pressure and all of a sudden as i start to feel a little bit she's like are you ready and i'm like yeah where's other people i don't know maybe that needle goes all the way up and and they don't release till the needle hits hits the top i don't know but for me um that's so as it's filling what is the water is entering the colon what is the water doing
1: So the water is first of all, I I keep the water matched to your body temp, so it's ninety eight point six degrees, which is why you don't feel it. Okay, you just feel you feel pressure or or the presence of the water, which is pressure. Right, Um, and I'm also only filling you the pressure of gravity, so it's nothing, it's nothing fast. Um, I am watching the pressure gauge, which tells me how much resistance the water is coming up against. Mm, And as you're filling, as I feel, as I see that pressure climb, I'll ask you, can you take three deep breaths? Can you breathe into that and relax around it? And the reason why I ask is sometimes there's pockets of gas that are Mm -hmm. trapped in there. And if you can take a couple deep breaths, usually the water can get to the other end of that air bubble and it will equalize the pressure and you'll feel it because all of a sudden you'll feel just kind of bubbling and the pressure just disappears. Totally. I'll see it on the machine because the pressure gauge is going to drop. So we're just, but we're always working within your comfort level. You just say, we have a keyword; it's release. So mm-hmm. when you get to the point where you feel full um, and where you feel like I have to go to the bathroom now, that's what we're looking for. Um, then I turn the waste control to release and then your body is sending out all the diluted waste. so it's under your own body's power there's no suction or anything coming from the machine to mm-hmm. assist in the release. Um, all I'm doing is usually some abdominal massage or working the reflexology points on your feet that correspond to the colon. So it's all under your body's own own power release power right so and, and the important. The important yeah, thing, ahead. too, about the fill is for people that are have chronic constipation or have had excessive like chronic laxative use for years. Or if you're a teacher or you're in an occupation where you can't go to the bathroom when you need to, um, every time you get the urge to have a bowel movement and you wait until a time that's more convenient for you, you're mm-hmm. severing that neuromuscular connection between the brain and the colon. So you start so if you go to if you have a bowel mo- say you're in the line at Target and you have to have a bowel movement <laughs> you say I'm just going to wait till I get home, right? Right, right. And you wait and you go at a later time, you're going to defecate 20% less mm-hmm. than if you would have went when your body had its natural impulse to go. So the more that we do that, the more that we delay our bowel habits, we weaken that neuromuscular connection so that every time we have a bowel movement, it's not complete or we don't have all of the waste come through. So Mm -hmm. the fill is the water is expanding the colon, it's diluting the waste that's there, and it's stimulating that nerve connection in the muscle. So we're actually strengthening that neuromuscular muscular junction, which we call we call it proprioceptive communication. And it just means strengthening the connection of the nerves embedded in the muscle. And Mm -hmm. then when you feel the need to release, you then release immediately. And that is retraining the colon to have a, a better bowel relationship to have more nerve impulse, contracting the muscle so that you fully evacuate on your own after the colonic and, and days afterwards. So, so the fill, everybody focuses on the release. Everybody says, Oh, how much am I going to, how much weight am I going to lose? How much stool is going to come out? Well, for someone that has, you know, poor bowel habits, the fill is actually more important than the release Mm -hmm. because we're, we're helping to reintegrate that neuromuscular junction so that when you leave your bowels are working more efficiently on their own.
0: So all of these benefits, I mean, that was something I didn't even know that that's a a, a big benefit. Yeah. So, and... So exactly. And as we talked about before, that the first time is exactly, you don't know what to expect, but by the second time, Mm -hmm. your experience is totally different than unknown has been removed. And because we know the colon is five feet long. So can you explain a little bit? I didn't know. So when I first met with Dr. Jen, we did an iridology analysis, which is something that natural medicine will do if you know of TCM, traditional Chinese medicine, they will look at the tongue because the body is mapped out on the tongue. The heart is the tip. The liver is on the sides of the tongue. Um, They will feel your pulses to, again, address Mm -hmm. where there's an imbalance, what they need to address first. It's not about, okay, well, you have insomnia. They're just looking, oh, well, there's an imbalance here in the kidneys. That is what may be keeping you up at night, whatever it is. So Dr. Jen and I did iridology analysis and the colon came up. And two things about this. One I think is so interesting is that so everything is mapped out in the eye. Um, It's like a television TV, like a TV screen. And when something is out of balance, it vibrates and shows up in the eye. So the liver will show up on the right side, on the right eye, because it's on the right side of the body. The heart will show up on the left side because it's mainly on the left side. And not only did the colon show up for me, but the colon, which is so interesting, it's not at the top of the eye. It's not over to the side. It's right in the middle. It goes all the way around the iris. So again, that Hippocrates quote of all disease begins and ends in the gut and mm-hmm. it showed up in both eyes for me because I didn't know that the colon was all the way down at the bottom, went all the way up the left side of the body came over and under my chest and then came all the way over to the right side of the body. So what showed up for me was, and Jen was using these terms, and I had no idea what they meant. She said, Oh, the ascending colon, the transverse colon, and some of the descending colon is showing up for you. So, can you explain and shed some light on like ex- again, how exactly long is the colon, and where
1: is it in the body? Yeah, so um, the colon uh, it's five feet long, roughly two to three inches in di- diameter. Uh, it It creates a frame around your abdomen so when we're so it, it starts at the end of the small intestine in what we call the ileocecal valve it's a junction where the small and the large intestine meet that's on your lower right side if you were to draw a line between your belly button and your right hip bone it's roughly right in the center and mm-hmm. that will um, open or inflamed when people bloat So one thing that I teach my clients when they're on the table with a colonic is, if you tend to bloat, here's an easy massage technique that you can do to help reset that ileocecal valve and make sure that that, uh, we work out any inflammation that's in that joint or Mm -hmm. in that sphincter. Because the sphincter should only open when food is passing through from the small into the large intestine. If that sphincter folds back on itself, it loses the vacuum integrity that is created when it closes in a healthy manner. Mm -hmm. That vacuum helps to pull the stool up the right side of the body and it has to come up against gravity. So we need that suction Created by that valve being closed, but if that valve folds back or if there's inflammation in that valve and it doesn't seal properly, we don't get that vacuum and the stool just sits in that lower right side or it drops down into the appendix and we see a lot of appendicitis and and bloating um, responses from that. Oh, so, so
0: interesting. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So the, the colon begins in the cecum, uh, which it makes up part of that ileocecal valve term. Mm-hmm. It comes up the right side, which is the ascending colon. It comes underneath your right rib cage, which is the where the liver is, um, and then comes across the abdomen. Which is the transverse colon to the Mm -hmm. other rib cage, and then it folds back on itself again as it starts to descend. Down to the lower hip bone um, mm-hmm. and becomes the sigmoid colon, where it then comes back to the main line underneath the belly button. But two things to keep in mind is under the rib cages, the colon ha- flips over and changes direction, which we call a flexure. So under the right rib cage, it's the hepatic flexure for the liver. Under the left rib cage, it's the splenic flex- flexure because it's tucked up under near the spleen. And those bends are common areas where people will tend to get more stool impacted or congested. So Mm -hmm. if they're if they're, you know, if they feel like, oh, I get a hitch under my rib cage when I try to stretch or when I get up after, you know, sitting for a long period of time or after I've eaten, Mm -hmm. that can be the flexure that's congested and the best way to clear out those flexures is really with water, with, with the colon hydrotherapy. That's, the, that's mm-hmm. one of the main benefits. But one thing to keep in mind, too, is people that have narrow rib cages or narrow waists, their transverse colon, which is the part of the colon, it's the largest segment of the colon, and it comes across the abdomen, that will tend to be like sway down in a hammock formation. So it's literally right below the belly button. So people will say, "Oh, my stomach hurts," and they 'll be grabbing under their belly button, thinking where and that's usually where the small intestine is right, but based on the person's anatomy and their size, it might actually be the transverse colon so so the the position of the colon may be different um, due to to posture, to diet, to activity level, but also to you know general um, bone structure Mm -hmm. with where where is their space and the and the body will accommodate. So so we don't know until we get our hands on someone and we start palpating and they'll say, you know, usually it's up across the lower edge of the rib cage. But for some people, they you know, they feel all the pressure below the belly button. It's just because they're so they have a smaller frame, and mm-hmm. so that that is where the colon is going to be for them.
0: Or maybe would it happen to somebody who who wore a lot of corsets? Would that happen that their mm-hmm. transverse colon would then dip down?
1: <laughs> Absolutely, and from from overeating, oh, or people okay. that are that have a lot of constipation. You know, a lot of um, uh, like a uh, prolapsed uteruses for women as we age that that can be if they've had con- years of constipation the stool from above can actually put downward pressure mm-hmm. onto the pelvic floor and that affects your reproductive organs so Yeah. Uh, Yeah. There's definitely a, um, over time and, and based on, you know, diet, if you tend to be constipated, the weight of that stool is going to put tension onto that organ and start to droop. So it can change over time.
0: Yeah. So why it's good to, yes, as we said, you can't just do one, just as we don't do one day of sit-ups and say, okay, I've worked out or I'm healthy. This is why, again, Dr. Jen shared that she did 18, uh, colon Mm -hmm. hydrotherapy sessions when she was going through specifically doing cleansing, but healing in general. And then I did 11, I did 10 to 11. I have it written down, but because it showed up my iridology that I needed to get the transverse and then I needed to get that ascending. So where the colon start, which was all the way over on the right side, the lower right side of my body. And so by the time you go in through the rectum, the sigmoid, the descending, the transverse, the, Ascending. I needed several colonics to clean out everything before that to get all the way over
1: Mm -hmm. to that. And the neat thing, too, yeah, the first couple colonics that you do, usually you just feel general pressure and then release and then pressure and release, Mm -hmm. meaning that you feel the pressure when you're filling. And then when you release, it all comes through and you feel nice and empty. And then we fill again. So it's a repetition of fills and releases. So Mm -hmm. we're slowly mining our way through the colon but the colon needs time to respond to okay now we've diluted this now it needs time to to work its way back out so it's not we're not filling for the whole time and and i think that's Mm -hmm. what people think how can you know five feet isn't that long why can't we get through that in one session well based on where the buildup is too that you know And, and how dried out the stool is, or if there's Mm -hmm. plaque on the colon walls, the water needs time to hydrate, you know, hydrate that, that dried matter. So Mm -hmm. it's not a, it's not a very, you know, fill, release, fill, release. It's not a very fast procedure. It's, we, we work with, with where the body's at and, and the comfort level of the body. So, um, right. Right.
0: And and I will say the, the, the only part that is, quote unquote, and it's not even painful, is when it's moving, the water is moving around an air pocket or exactly saturating, hydrating some decayed fecal matter, whatever it is. That's the only part where it's like, ooh. But again, as Dr. Jen says, if you can breathe around it and then it usually pretty much as soon as it got there in a few seconds, five seconds, six seconds, it dissipates and it's gone. And I can tell the water has kind of moved on and continued. Mm -hmm. It's only until I feel Dr. Jen shared feeling going to the bathroom. I feel like, Ooh, I'm feeling bloated. And then that's when I say release and all the, and then my colon does the work the machine does not. The machine is just sending in the water, doing it in a way that you can't do it. So to speak on your own, um, and and then sending it out so And I like to share that I, I don't really count, but I probably do in my sessions about four to five fills. So that means four Mm -hmm. to five releases and the releases take some time. You sit there and you watch the stuff go by and more stuff comes out. And Jen, Dr. Jen will say to me, are you feeling any more pressure? And once Mm -hmm. I'll say, yes, I can feel that It's all at the bottom. It's still working its way out. And then as soon as I don't feel anything more, we will do another fill. But you were sharing with me that, that, you know, somebody who will just do one fill and the whole time it will just be a release because she is somebody who has a lot of constipation or a lot of stress in Mm -hmm. her life. Right.
1: Yeah. She's, she's the exception to the rule. Usually (laughs) I I would say people are, it's much more between like eight to 12 fills, I would say would be the average. So, um, but, but everybody's different and we, and we work with where you're at. So there's no, you know, I have a lot of people that want to get graded, you know, they're like, was that oh, an A plus performance? And so it's like there's no funny. competition here. We're not here. <laughs> so, there's no ribbons. I don't give out stickers. I you know, I say good. You job, should but, give out stickers. But I, yeah, yeah. It's not, you know, we're competitive in enough of other categories of our life. We don't need to compete totally. colonics. <laughs> totally.
0: Oh my gosh. That's so funny. So it's interesting. I yeah. didn't know eight to 12, whereas I feel like I do four to five. And what yeah. I wanted to share about that is I will usually say to Dr. Jem, okay, are we doing one more or this is the last one, right? Not because mm-hmm. there is no clock in the room, at least a clock I can't see lying on that massage table. And how do I always know? that that's the last fill or that we're only going to do one more.
1: Yeah. Your body can only detox so much at one time. And so you will always get to a point where you're like, I'm done, you know, and it's usually right at that 45 minute mark or right before it. Um, And that that's common for everybody, Uh, you know, for it's very common that most people are like, okay, I'm, my body's had it, you know, Mm -hmm. that's it for one day. And then it needs to acclimate to its new to its new state of being, you know? And one thing, another thing I wanted to say about that release is sometimes we have what's called cyclical releases. So as the colon starts contracting and you're on release and it's sending the waste out, there are nerve impulses that that contraction is sending further up the colon. So it's kind of like an avalanche effect that you have one release, and then all of a sudden you feel okay, but then all of a sudden it starts to feel like pressure is building again, mm-hmm. and then, oh, here comes another wave of release. So it's not just fill and then one release and then we're done and we go back to the fill. There's the cyclical releasing that starts to take place, and and we don't want to interrupt that. And that's why I ask you, Noelle, you know, do you feel any pressure or cramping? Because that tells me there's still, there's still communication going on longitudinally up the muscle of the colon and it's and it's strengthening that connection so we don't want to interrupt that we want to allow that to to keep processing sending those signals and getting that release out and then when you feel nothing you feel nice and empty then we move on to the next fill right so it's not just one release and and you're done yeah usually some people are like that but but the average is this most people have the cyclical releasing taking place so right totally
0: and like i said you'll feel you'll feel an emptiness you'll feel like there's nothing left you'll feel like you went to the bathroom there's no more pressure and that's when you know to fill again but again there's nothing you're not going to blow up like i don't know maybe some people have that fear that oh the water's going to come rushing in and, you know, you're going to explode. That doesn't happen. Uh, There usually isn't leaking, but again, there's pads down if you do. And um, it, it does help. Dr. Jen will always say to go to the bathroom ahead of time because of the water, you will feel like you need to, to pee, but it always is best to, if you can stay on the table and because instead of taking the speculum out and then coming back and inserting it. So at the end, after the last fill and no more pressure and everything has come out or everything for that session that needed to come out, you will remove the speculum and then she has already put my clothes in the bathroom and has said to me "In," and she will hand me as she removes the speculum, she'll hand me a wad of toilet paper. And then because there's... Uh, lubricant there on your, on your butt that you want to wipe off for sure. And I hop over to the bathroom and I usually do go to the bathroom. I, 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 pee, but then also I have a little bit left of water and stool that comes out, but totally again, diluted stool that comes out. Now I will share that after my first two colonics, I, drove home because I had a car at the time and it takes me about 20, 25 minutes to get home. As soon as I pulled into my garage, I had to go, like go, go. And Mm -hmm. why did that happen?
1: Some people, once you, it depends on how comfortable you can get on the table, especially with the first time. Mm -hmm. If you're a little more nervous and some people don't think they're nervous, but once you get out of the the, the spa, the colonic um, location, and you're in your own environment, being your car or on your way home, then your body just kind of relaxes and that residual water will, will want to work its way back out. So okay. um, it is good to just be mindful that you'll, you'll be able to get to a bathroom, but it, it may, you may need to go again, especially after the first time, the first couple times, um, just because you're still getting comfortable with the procedure.
0: One hundred The goal is that yeah. everything,
1: yeah, the goal is after a couple colonics, everything takes place on the table and, and there's not that residual, but that's, it's understandable. And especially once you get off the table and you're in the bathroom by yourself, and it is a separate bathroom. So um, mm-hmm. that is your comfort zone too, for where this, where you're, where this should take place. And so your body even will relax once it gets into the bathroom, like, oh, okay, this is this is what I'm used to type even more. Yeah. And I will yeah. share it
0: only happened for me the first two times, then three, mm-hmm. four, five, six, everything again did happen on the table and nothing happened. And I didn't have an accident. It's just a feeling of, you know, when you have, when you really have to go, it's that urge. Yeah. So, um. so now I want to just end on a few things we talked about in the prior Podcast episode about a healthy colon needs water, exercise, and fiber, and we were talking about soluble fiber. Yeah, now, what are foods that are high in
1: soluble fiber? Mm-hmm. Well, soluble fibers in a lot of things, but it's there's zero soluble fiber in any animal protein. Okay, so meat, eggs, dairy. Gives you zero soluble fiber when we're talking strictly about soluble fiber. Okay, it's highest in all plant-based proteins, being split peas, lentils, all beans, um, being black beans, adzuki beans, navy beans, kidney beans, lima beans, garbanzo beans, chickpeas. All of, all of those. Mm-hmm. Um, there, you're getting about 15 grams per cup. And then nuts would be the last group, but there you're only getting about four grams per cup. And those are pretty much all nuts. Um, in the vegetable kingdom, it's highest in artichokes, green mm-hmm. beans, green peas, and all cruciferous vegetables. So your broccoli, Brussels sprouts, cauliflower, cabbages, bok choy, things like that. Mm, love it. In, in Yeah. In the fruits, it's highest in all berries, um, then we get into avocado, apples and pears, mm-hmm. and then we can get it supplementally, um, in, uh, uh ground in flaxseed, chia seeds, nutritional yeast, and psyllium husk. In those, you're getting roughly five grams per one to two tablespoons based on what it is, which, okay. So, and 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 it's in smaller quantities in other vegetables but those are the highest sources so those aren't the only sources but but they're definitely the highest sources of soluble fiber so the more that you can try to be sure you're getting a couple of those um foods in and it's kind of a good a good exercise that i have most of my clients do if they say you know i I go to the bathroom, but, but it doesn't feel like everything comes out. I have them just (laughs) map out, like do the math and find out how much soluble fiber are you getting on a daily basis? And, and usually they're roughly like 10 grams below. So we need, we need a minimum of 35 grams on a daily basis Mm -hmm. for bowel regularity. Mm -hmm. I find most people if they're about 10 grams shy, they'll take a couple, you know, scoops of ground flaxseed or or psyllium, mix it in some water, take it that way. And they said, man, just getting that 10 extra grams really clears me out. It really gets the bowels to be completely, you know, um, emptying when I do have a bowel movement. So do the math and figure out what that is for yourself. Because the interesting thing is, Although we, we need 35 grams of soluble fiber for digestive regularity, for heart health being diabetes, high blood pressure, and high, high, um, high cholesterol, we need 50 to 60 grams of soluble fiber because there the cholesterol actually, it, it binds to calcification um, in the in the arteries, it also helps with flexibility in the arteries to keep to help lower blood pressure, mm-hmm. and the fiber binds to cholesterol and flushes that out of the body so the thirty five grams is a minimum, but if you're dealing with any kind of heart um heart health in your in your genealogy or your family or or you yourself, really try to get to that fifty to sixty grams so I have a list of all these foods that I just mentioned and how many grams you get per cup um, on the blog on my website, which is at com. So you can scroll through there, right. find the blog, and then just print off the list and, and hang it on your fridge and just use it as a reminder to try to get at least 35 grams a day.
0: And isn't it true that it's only animal-based foods that have added cholesterol versus plant-based foods... Whether it's vegetables, fruit, um, beans do not have cholesterol. Nuts do not have; they have fat, but they don't have cholesterol.
1: Correct. Yeah, cholesterol, added cholesterol. Your body can actually generate enough cholesterol for you. Right. Yeah. So the only way we get it additionally is with animal protein, is with animal products. And those are the
0: only; those are the only foods. The five foods: meat, chicken, fish, eggs, and dairy that have added cholesterol, whereas exactly the body already makes its own. So there's this huge, you know, myth around cholesterol, as many other as well as many other things. But exactly the only way we ever get added is from those five foods meat, chicken, fish, mm-hmm. eggs and dairy. Okay. So that was really great because I wanted to make sure that people understood exactly what were those highest foods. Again, not the only foods, but the berries were Mm -hmm. the highest Um, beans were the highest out of all of those. Um, And then um, I also wanted to make sure that we touched on, we talked about how you will rub castor oil on my abdomen Mm -hmm. before we get started. The speculum is already inserted. And so you are rubbing it. And as you said this last time, so that you can feel where there's any congestion in the colon, like, okay, on a release, I need to make sure I'm massaging more of the transverse colon or one of those little bends or flips that it does. But also castor oil, I learned from you, it's from the castor plant. So it's exists in nature and is great for... Inflamed or sore muscles, right? It's one of the mm-hmm. things that's yes. yeah. So
1: I yeah, learned... top, topically, internally, it's a laxative, but topically, it's um, it's good for for relaxing sore muscles. Right. So I took I took
0: this takeaway from Dr. Jen, and my mom did too. Anytime my mom had a tennis elbow or I had a sore neck or a sore shoulder, I knew that either the castor oil itself would have to be warmed up or the area would have to be warm. So you could put on a heating pad or a hot water bottle or soak a towel with hot water. And I would put it like on my shoulder and my neck, and then I would rub the castor oil on. And it's super great for, again, treating those inflamed muscles. And you were rubbing it on and telling me, and there's also something you can do called a castor oil pack. They even sell castor oil packs on Amazon. It comes with, the cotton flannel, it comes with the castor oil and then you can look up videos and they will put it on like their abdomen for constipation or usually on the right side of the body above the liver. And it is a great way to pull out toxins instead Mm -hmm. of doing something internally. But then you shared something really interesting with me that women will put it on their, their breasts. And why do they do that? What's one of the other benefits
1: Well, it pulls out radiation. And so, if women have had breast cancer um, and gone through radiation, it can help detoxify that way too. Um, Seaweed as well uh, detoxifies radiation. So, nutritionally, you can be taking kelp capsules or some sort or incorporating Mm -hmm. more seaweed into your diet um and both of those help to draw radiation out of out of the tissue.
0: Yeah. So castor oil is just great. It's a great go-to in anybody's medicine cabinet for those sore muscles, but remember again mm-hmm. it has to be warmed up or the area has to be warm. Um I thought the info about pulling out radiation was Amazing! You can look up castor oil packs and exactly how to do it. Usually, you wrap your you put like a hot water bottle on. People will sleep in it overnight. Sometimes, uh, put a hot water bottle on, soak the cotton flannel in the castor oil, put the hot water bottle on, and then wrap themselves basically in plastic wrap to keep it on, and and sleep in it. I do want to share a couple quick things, and you can probably maybe even add to this, Doctor Jen. But one. Women don't want to do it when you're on your period because it gets blood flowing too much. Um, The other thing is it should always be organic and it should always be hexane-free. Those are the things I have found in my research. And it's very, very easy to find organic hexane-free castor oil. I just order it from Amazon, but that's something that I've learned. And again, it's from the castor plant. I remember you telling me that there's some book that has over 140 uses for castor oil. You can... Put it on your eyelashes to grow eyelashes. You can put it on your hairline to grow hair. You can put it on your eyebrows if you want thicker eyebrows. It's a pretty amazing. I have a yeah uh,
1: yeah. I have a client who is is in his nineties. He was a fighter pilot during World War Two, and he flew an open open cockpit plane. Um, and they used castor oil on the propellers to keep as antifreeze to keep them from freezing at high elevation. So he said so the first time he came in for a colonic, he said, oh, castor oil. Do you know that we they this was the original antifreeze between before antifreeze was developed? Right. And he said he used to get out of the airplane and he'd be covered head to toe in castor oil from, from uh. it spewing out of the propellers. But I always I always thought that was an interesting use. But I, Edgar Casey. Has a book on you know 104 uses for castor oil, and I don't think antifreeze for fighter pilot for fighter pilots <laughs> was one of them, but it, it could be 105 uses. There we go.
0: People. Okay, that's your new book. If you felt nudged nice to write a book, um, love it. So yeah, just again, all these ways that nature supplies us with these non toxic options that are usually way cheaper. They they work. They you know are they are not synthetics they are not one note the body is nature which is it's a harmony and it all works together as we're learning about colonics so i want to end on the point of we know now how important it is we have listed so many benefits the eyesight the better sleep the allergies all sorts of things what is we talk about it do it doing this best when it's the change of the season so spring and fall Why, why is that ideal?
1: Um, Just because when the summer and winter are too harsh, that our body is just um, trying to maintain its, its balance, its, its metabolism, its, its um, temperature uh, in the winter and summer. So those transitional seasons of spring and fall where it's milder um, and there's change in, in the air is actually a better time to, 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 to do any kind of cleansing. You can always work the colon, um, with, with soluble fiber in your diet year round. But as, as far as like a liver cleanse or a heavy metal cleanse, or, um, you know, though those harsher cleanses where we're altering the equilibrium, um, you can Mm -hmm. get sick or catch a cold or, um, suppress your immune system when you're going through something like that. So do, um, do try to keep it in, in those transitional months or transitional okay. seasons. Great.
0: And then lastly, also, I know this is probably not a blanket answer, but if obviously if, if no if somebody has never done a colonic, definitely think about consider getting on the table, getting a few sessions in, doing as many as it feels feels right or as you're guided to do. But once you do that and say so you get all the way over and address the areas in the colon that are more congested. What is a good maintenance? And again, I know that may answer may differ for everybody. So mm-hmm. for me in the transition of the seasons now, it's fall. It, we're in the last week in October. I went for a colonic last week. I would like to go for two to three more. What is what is a good maintenance?
1: You know, I kind of tell people, once you do a a series of a couple colonics, you then know, you know, for some people, my busiest time for colon hydrotherapy is actually starting now, um, end of October through January, because people under a lot of, um, I get a lot of, People that get relief from colonics from emotional stress of the holidays. Mm-hmm. So, whether they're mm-hmm. hosting or they have to go home and be around family members that they don't <laughs> get along with, honestly, guys, this is the holiday season, is my busiest time of year, and it's all about emotional support. So, yeah. for some people, they travel a lot for work. So, I find people will come after they've been traveling because that will mm-hmm. alter their bowel habits mm-hmm. if they've had a more stressful period of time, you know, financially or in relationships, they tend to come then. So it you know, I don't know what your future holds, but um you know, based on you know, the the change of seasons is always good, but but some people find no I really need it then. You know, and and you're going to find you know what affects your bowel health whether it's stress, whether it's lack of activity, you know, for some people they get really lethargic in January and February. So they come and get a colonic and it helps them with seasonal affected disorder, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's, it can be anything, but you know, when your bowels start getting irregular, then for you, that is the time to come and get a colonic and, and try to, you know, jumpstart things. But it, it, it can be different. It could be emotional or it could be, Lack of exercise or lack of water, um, people will drink more tea in the winter time, so they're not getting as hydrated as they should. So, so winter mm-hmm. is actually a, a, a and because sixty percent of our lymph nodes are around the intestines, mm-hmm. it's a great immune booster. So, for some people, it's you know if they're sick a lot or they're you know catching colds all the time, they come in for a colonic and it actually keeps them healthier. Um, yeah. So. Uh, You know, I, I say, come and try it out. You'll know what it then feels like. And then you can decide, you know, and, and through a conversation, we can figure out when is the best time for you or what, what is the best maintenance for you? But it tends to be cyclical. It tends to be a season of the year when you find, Mm -hmm. you know, that is my time to get colon hydrotherapy.
0: Love it. Yeah. I will say, and to end on this note too, one of the side effects for me, one of the benefits was that. I had way more energy. I remember going about my days mm-hmm. and thinking, oh my gosh, again, this is what it's supposed to be like. And I was doing yeah. one a week. I was taking the colon powder from Dr. Jen, which we're going to talk about in our next episode. We're going to talk about herbs and the cleanses and, and why herbs work and who figured all this stuff out, you know, mm-hmm. this herb does this. And so I remember thinking, wow, I, it wasn't a, a, I wasn't an insomniac or I wasn't really constipated, but I just remember my skin improved and and I remember having a lot more energy and even again I had been eating vegan for 6 months so I wasn't tired after meals but just throughout the day it didn't feel that dip in energy levels and that was huge yeah. that was like oh wow it wasn't it, it wasn't an excuse to keep going like the energizer bunny it just again it, there wasn't that dip and I don't drink coffee I'm not a coffee drinker I never have been so I don't it's not like oh well if you cut out coffee noel you'll that stimulant will now leave your body and you won't have that three o'clock dip. No, it was a mm-hmm. real energy booster as well as immune booster, as well as yeah. skin, as well as sleep, as well as exactly cleaning out, sending water, and then it gets into those lymph nodes as well. So I cannot say mm-hmm. enough about you sharing all your knowledge with us about you being so passionate about what you do. I, I It just comes out effortlessly and- Again, and, and all the, the lovely terms, you know, I love all that stuff, the, yeah. the ileocecal valve and the yeah, hepatic yeah. portal. And and um, what's the word of that the colon does when it pushes things out? Not homeostasis. Um. Per-
1: peristalsis. <laughs> peristalsis. You love peristalsis. You.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's my new one. Um, Jen knows, we'll end it on this note. I always love the um, the white part of the eye. Which will show the eye, of course, yes, each organ and each part of the back and each finger and each everything will show up in the eye, but the white part <laughs> will show it is a reflection of the liver. That's why we know that when people have yellow eyes, oh gosh, really, you know, jaundice, we we say yellow in, in French and and that it is poor liver health. And that is the radio. Isolaris, right isn't that the name of it
1: the isolaris. Yes. <laughs> and I
0: used to always say radio isolaris because that was my way of <laughs> mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. just describing it so I love all those terms but thank you for making it understandable for us um, and again Jen's website is from scratchwellness.com Mine is lifting-the-veil.com, and like I said, we're going to do at least another episode or two, so feel free to reach out. Let us know your questions, and Jen is in Chicago for anybody who wants to know, but she can do other things. Obviously, you cannot get on the colon hydrotherapy table with her, Mm -hmm. not being in Chicago, but she can do the cleanses and consultations and everything like that wherever you live in the world. So um, thank you again for, for everything. Yeah. My pleasure. Glad to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I do want to make a final note that if you have not listened to the previous episode with Dr. Jen and I, where we talk about all the benefits of colon hydrotherapy, then I would really, really, really strongly encourage you to go back and take a listen at that. Not only does Dr. Jen share her story about how it improved her eyesight and her eyes started to heal and repair themselves. But she explains so eloquently the two French surgeons who are studying Parkinson's and Alzheimer's and have realized that the root cause is not actually, doesn't show up in the central nervous system. It first shows up in the gut. It first shows up as inflammation in the gut before markers ever appear on the central nervous system, which is along the vagus nerve that runs along the spine. So they are trying to get these two diseases classified as a digestive disease, not something related to the central nervous system. So treating that inflammation in the gut would be treating the root cause of those two diseases because They went back and looked at their patients, and they had a history of IBS or Crohn's, some sort of digestive disorder, showing up first. So it's a very, very, very powerful episode. It's also very inspiring at the same time and filled with resources on how to find a certified colon hydrotherapist if it's covered by insurance. Certain states are covered. Certain states are not. That one is also by Lifting the Veil, which is my site, is lifting-the-veil com Remember, if it doesn't have the dashes, it kind of looks like lifting the evil, which is kind of what it is. And Dr. Jen's website is fromscratchwellness.com. Reach out to us, let us know your questions, and thank you again for listening.